This morning we're continuing our God is preaching series. We've been looking at the character of God and it has been good for us. It is good. I don't know about you, but yes, you know, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. We believe that, the Word of God. Uh, and we've worked our way through various books, and, books of Scripture uh, and various other things, topical. Um, but it's been so helpful just to ground ourselves again. What's God like? What does, what does Scripture, because we don't go outside of this, what does Scripture tell us about who God is? What he's like in his character? Um, really, really big deal. And this morning, we're going to be doing exactly the same as we've done for the last eight weeks. We're going to look at God is angry at evil. And um, I think probably if there was any attribute of God that we probably wanted to brush under the carpet and pretend didn't exist, it would probably be this one. We talk about uh, God being love. We talk about God being merciful. Uh, God being gracious, God being compassionate, patient and faithful. And these things sit very happily in our hearts, don't they? Uh, you know, we're, we're very content. These things are, are nice thoughts. Um, but when we talk about being angry, that, this, that, that, kind of, that, that doesn't sit quite as neatly, quite as nicely, does it, in our hearts very often. And this morning we're going to look at God is angry at evil. I think often we view anger as beneath God. You know, God is love. He shouldn't be angry. He shouldn't get angry. Or something that maybe God should have matured out of. You know, he should have stopped being angry by now. That's just, isn't, that just a bit, isn't that just a bit beneath him? Isn't that a bit petty? Well, um, I think we'll all appreciate, actually, whilst we know that we do get angry, everyone in a room... There's not a person in this room that hasn't experienced the emotion of anger. So we go, okay, well, it, well, it is normal. But we probably think, well, it's, it's, it's the bad emotion. You know, if there's, if there's an emotion that we shouldn't feel, it's anger. Why? Well, because quite often we go, I know that I don't respond well with anger. Or we get angry and we go, I don't do it right. And I think, you know, every one of us in this room will go, yeah, there are moments where... I've been angry and the way that's been expressed hasn't been helpful or it hasn't been just or it hasn't been deserved or, uh, and, and things like this. <clears throat> I wonder what makes you angry this morning. Uh, well, not necessarily. Hopefully you're not feeling angry right now. Uh, if it is, that's likely to be really directly pointed at me. <laughs> Unless there's some other things going on. Um, I wonder what makes you angry. Luke touched on this last week. Actually, and it made me feel much, much better because I wasn't in—I wasn't the only room. I wasn't the only one in the room feeling this way. Shopping. Uh, if if you were here this week, Luke went on about it for I think half of his sermon. Um, <laughs> it was really helpful what Luke said last week. Um, shopping is something that I don't do well in. The first emotion is probably. Anxiety, and then you go into the shop and you see the wide array of various options, and you think, Man, get me out of here. Please get me out of here. Um, then there, there are other things. <clears throat> You'll see my fragile nature now. There are other things that make me angry. Uh, one of those things is computers. <laughs> we, live, we live in a century now where everyone should be comfortable 
and able to access these wonderful things that are so clever. Computers are so clever, and they can do everything that you want. Near enough, they can do everything that you want. What is most frustrating is that I can't make it do what I want. And if you work with me in the church office or in prison where I work, where I have to use computers, you, you will have seen my vulnerability. More often than not, I've learned to ask rather than just get stressed with the thing. But the thing that's so infuriating is it does everything that you need it to do. I just can't make it do it. I'm, I, I'm a technophobe, in all honesty. I'm not good with technology. I should have been born about two centuries ago. But here we are. We, we get angry at things. Maybe you get angry at, at queuing. Who's a good queuer? Raise your hand if you're a good queuer. Some of us are good queuers in the room. We've got patience. Some of us, we've grown up in the UK or we're second and third generation. We, you know, we've learned to queue. The people in the UK are good at queuing. But maybe, actually, you stopped shopping at Waitrose and you started shopping at Audi because you know if you go to Audi, once you've done your shop, you will only ever queue for about 30 seconds because they fly people through that checkout. Maybe queuing's your issue. Maybe it's driving. Maybe for some of us in the room... And dare I say it, road rage. <laughs> Maybe that's the thing. No one else is the problem. Everyone else is the problem. You're not the problem. Everyone else is the problem. Friends, this is a, a very real emotion that we live with. And, um, and actually, talking about this stuff, talking about the character of God is a really big deal. It's a really big deal. And we've, we've got to get this right talking about who God is. Uh, so I'd love us to pray. Uh, Lord, I pray you would help us this morning. Lord, I pray <clears throat> that you'd help me as we look at what you are like, your glorious character, what, what you are like in who you are. Lord, I pray you'd help us this morning as we look at what it is for you to be angry at evil. I really pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be working in our hearts. Uh, Lord, you know how each one of us uh, is in this room and the, and, the, and the things that we bring as we come into this room. Lord, I pray that you'd speak really sensitively into our hearts. Lord, I thank you that your word is a two-edged sword, but it's a good one. And it, separate, it separates all of the stuff inside us and it points out the problem. And Lord, I pray you'd just speak this morning. As I speak, Lord, I pray you would speak this morning and show us you. Amen. So God is angry at evil. Um, what does it mean that he's angry at evil? Maybe a more helpful question might be to say, well, what is evil? Because I think in our minds, evil becomes caricatured so often. It turns, we turn it into this thing that happens over here, uh, uh, and, and it's really bad, evil, it's awful, and we all agree, it's really bad, but it's nothing like us. It, it's, you know, it's, it's removed from us. That's evil. Some of those things that have happened, they're evil, and we'll all agree, but it's, it's nothing like us. It's nowhere near us. We think that evil is a set of actions or behaviours that happen or things that take place, usually because of human action, almost always because of human action. Uh, and, and, and only a handful of really bad people do them. They're evil, 
they're evil, but we're not evil. I think that's a very normal way of thinking in our culture. It's a very normal way of thinking. Evil isn't me. I'm not evil. That's evil. That person is evil because of what they did. I'm, I'm not evil. I'm, you know, it's nothing like me. Um, <laughs> the Bible doesn't give us that luxury of evil being as far removed from us as we might like it to be. It doesn't. In fact, the Bible speaks very plainly and very clearly about evil and about our, our nature as humans. The Bible says in Genesis 6 that every intent of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. Talking about mankind. In Genesis 8, this is right at the beginning of creation. Right at the beginning. Genesis 8. It says, for the intent of man's heart, if you're a lady in the room, this isn't the moment you go, aha, I knew it. I knew it all along. It's the men. The men are the problem. <laughs> no, this is, this is a more encompassing. Uh, <laughs> the problem, the intent of man's heart, humanity's heart, is, e <clears throat> is evil from his youth. These are sobering, really sobering uh, words from Scripture. That's what the Bible says about our condition. And so evil isn't something that's out here, not according to the word of God. Evil isn't something that's removed from us that only a few people do. Evil is, evil is right here. It sits with me. You think, oh, God, that's a bit much, isn't it? No. <laughs> if, um, if this is brand new information um, and you're now offended by me, please, please bear with me. Um, we've got some really good news. But that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says about the state of our heart. So what does it mean that God is angry at evil? It means he's angry towards us, towards our sin, towards our thoughts and our deeds and our actions that are wrong. Because they destroy and they hurt his creation that he loves. He really, 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 really loves. How do we respond to anger? How do we respond to harm that is caused? We, it grieves us, doesn't it? When you, when you read the news and you see what goes on and you see some of the absolutely devastating things that we are capable of, it grieves our hearts, doesn't it? You read the news and the stories and you think, gosh. And you see the, the mugshots of the people that are caught for crimes and you look at them in, with indignance and you think, yeah, yeah, they deserve jail. They deserve prison. That's how, that's how we outwork justice. We don't like it. We don't like evil. We don't like it. The Bible says that we're made in his image. We're made in the image of God. And that's a beautiful thing. That's amazing. That's really, really amazing. He's made us in his image. He's made us in his likeness, which means we, we, we are we're intelligent beings. We have a, a heart with deep emotions, love and compassion and generosity and all of these things, also anger. And so when we see things, because we are made in his image, we understand what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong. But let's be clear. We're made in his image, yes. 
in his likeness. But we're not like God. We're not like him. He is not different to you to the extent that your boss at work is different to you. He is not different to you to the extent that the person that you most respect for their good virtues and their honourable conduct, and they're really, you know, these Nobel Peace Prize winners, he's not different to you to the extent that they are different to you. No, no, he's much, much different to you. He's the Lord. He's holy. He's holy. And so if you feel anger towards abuse, if you feel anger towards the belittling and the mistreatment of those with special needs, if you feel angry towards those who are vulnerable and threat awfully, if you feel angry towards the injustice of the world that is a result of human evil, be it lustfulness, pridefulness, anger, hate, jealousy, willful ignorance, these things should anger us. We shouldn't be indifferent about these things. But if you feel angry about these things, he feels much, much more angry. Why is that? Well, because we get angry. Let's be really, really clear. We get angry when our standards of what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong, are broken. That's why we become angry. We become angry because our standards, and our standards vary as well. It's interesting to note. Not, not massively, but... We become angry when our standards aren't met. And so isn't it right? Wouldn't it be right that he might be angry at the atrocities and all of the stuff that goes on, but because his standards aren't met? Not because he's harsh, not because he's just, you know, he's just got issues with his creation. No, he's holy, he's the Lord, he's God. If his standard wasn't up here, he wouldn't be God. If he wasn't holy, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be God. Or, the God. or he would be, and the God that we worship wouldn't be worthy. It's really important to note that. So if we're angry about the evil that is causing the world, which we are, absolutely, he is more angry. In my work, I work in prison. I, I, in my role, I get to read some of the things that uh, the men who come into custody have done. And um, I don't have to. Sometimes it's intriguing, not in a nice way, but you want to understand. And so you, you, you can read about the stuff that this, these individuals have done, and sometimes you, you just you can't... You, I decide I'm not going to read anymore, because as I read the the CPS pack, the Crown Prosecution pack, evidence against this person of the actions that they took is just so, so absolutely awful. It, it turns your stomach. And so we have injustice, we have war that is caused by self-seeking, power-hungry, prideful men. We have people that have their lives taken away from them and who have children who now don't have parents, or parents who now don't have children. Uh, loved ones that are left behind, dealing with pain that doesn't go away. Victims of rape, sexual exploitation, human trafficking. People that live with damage and anguish and fear and insecurities and brokenness because of what they've gone through. 
So it is right, absolutely right, that we should feel angry about these things. And he feels angry about these things. But we, we in, in our fallen state, we have a clouded vision because we are fallen. And so our love isn't perfect. Our, our, our holiness, our, you know, we're not righteous. We're not, we're not, we, we aren't the right and, perp- and perfect judge. And so we, it, with our legal system, with our criminal justice system, we sentence people for the crimes they've committed. But let's be clear, for the people that have been so awfully wronged, a prison sentence doesn't make right the awful atrocities that took place, does it? It doesn't. I, I work in prison. I've been there for the last nine years of my life, and I can tell you, this, okay, this might be subjective, and, and it depends where you go in the world, but wherever you go in the world, the worst punishment that we can issue for crimes that have been committed isn't justice. A life sentence isn't justice for someone who's taken thousands of lives. It's, it's not justice. It's not complete justice. So I praise God. I praise God that I worship one whose anger is completely appropriate and just and whose justice and punishment are perfectly measured. I praise God that I worship one whose anger is completely appropriate and just and whose justice and punishment are perfectly measured. So it's right that he's angry. But there's a problem. There's a problem because Romans 3 verse 23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Not only the people that went to prison. there's There's not a clear line in the sand that says you can speak words that are awful over people. You can do this. You can... You can get away with that, but at that point, you're deemed as evil. No, we, we read at the beginning, Scripture tells us we're evil. The, we're sinful. And so we're part of the problem. And you'd agree. The stuff that, 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 that humanity, the stuff that men and women do wrong, deserves to be punished. The, the, the problem is we've learned that we're part of the problem. Why? Well, because what about those words that you said to that person? And you shouldn't have said. They weren't kind. There's an there's a English saying, which is, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. The irony, the, the irony is that sticks and stones will break your bones, but your bones will heal. Nine times, nine times out of ten, you'll, you'll get better, you'll be fine. Some of the words that we say are the things that wound us most deeply. The book of James in here talks a lot about the power of the tongue to give life and to take life away. So what about that, what about that person that you slandered and they weren't even there to defend themselves, it was gossip? Or what about the fact that you joined in in a conversation, maybe you didn't say anything, you were just there, but you went along with it and, you, and maybe you smiled, uh, maybe you laughed, uh, as this person was being taken the mick out of, you didn't say anything because you, you, you knew it was wrong, but you didn't defend the person. Is that right? Do we get away with that? I've done these things. I've done these things. I'm not unaccountable for my actions. I, I shouldn't. 
If God's consistent, if he's holy, I shouldn't get away with the things I've done wrong either. I shouldn't get away with that. We are not unaccountable for our actions before a holy God. He's angry. He is angry at sin. And so the problem is with us too. We are part of the problem. God is angry at our sin. Therefore, he's angry at us. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? But it's true. So, okay, let's, let's talk about God's anger. Maybe first we'll look at three misunderstandings of God's anger. The first is, we, we go, okay, well, it seems like God's angry in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, God's really lovely and, and just, just wants to give us a hug. And, and, and so God's angry in the Old Testament, but he's, he's nice in the New Testament. What's wrong with the Old Testament, God? Well, let me read you this quote. This book has been quoted a few times. If you've not got it, you've got a bit of money, buy this book. It's really, really good. Incomparable by Andrew Wilson. Andrew Wilson says this about this misunderstanding of God's anger. He says, people with a superficial view of the Bible sometimes think that Yahweh was wrathful and jealous for his people in the Old Testament. But that with Jesus, those things subsided. Quite apart from the fact that Yahweh never changes, and the fact that the New Testament talks much more severely about many sins than the Old Testament, this betrays a total failure to grasp why Jesus died. Jesus' death on the cross didn't say, it's all okay, because God's not angry with sin anymore. It said God is incredibly angry at sin. So angry that this is the only way to save you. Jesus' Jesus' death on the cross. He's so angry at sin that there was only one way to save you. Jesus. Second misunderstanding of God's anger is that somehow his anger is just like ours. We looked at this a little bit. Um, And if we think this, we we completely understand why we go, oh, it's not right that God should be angry. But his anger isn't. His anger isn't like ours. He, he He doesn't have petty outbursts when his pride is wounded or, or, or you know, because he's just self-indulgent. He doesn't throw toddler tantrums and fits of anger because he's had a long, hard day and when he got home, someone said, can you wash up the dishes, please? And we, but we do this, don't we? His anger's not like ours. I come home from work, I've had a hard day and Rachel says, Phil, can you take the bins out? I'm like, I've just got home. I want to sit on my sofa. I want to rest. To be really clear, I don't recall ever having an outburst like that just because of those things. But we we are petty. We do these things, don't we? But, but, you know, I've had a hard day. You don't know. My wife's had a hard day too. Can you put the bins out? Okay. We're petty in our anger. He's not petty in his anger. His anger isn't driven by pettiness or self-indulgence. No, his anger is totally justified because he's holy, because he's the Lord God. The third misunderstanding, and perhaps the biggest, is that love and anger oppose each other. The idea that 
you can't be loving and be angry is, is, a, is, a, is a nonsense. The wrong response to genocide or rape or murder or sexual exploitation or modern-day slavery isn't, isn't, isn't anger. The wrong response to all of those things isn't anger. The wrong response to those things is, eh, so what? Yeah. And so we go, yes, of course it's right that he should be angry. Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. The wrong response isn't anger at injustice and evil and at our evil and the way we are. The wrong response is indifference. God doesn't care. He does care. And because he cares and because he's full of love, he's angry. Rightly so. Does that, do you see, does that make sense? So his anger is completely appropriate and just. What does the Bible say about his anger? What does Revelation 6 say about his anger? Let me read this to you. Revelation 6, verses 14 to 17. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up. And every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks, uh, among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Revelation 14, verses 19 to 20 say this. So the, so <clears throat> the, the vision that John is having, this, this vision, the book of Revelation, is it, this happened in an agricultural society. So he's having a vision, not of modern-day online banking, uh, but of, of agriculture. And so in this vision that he, sa- that he has... It says, So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. A winepress was where you trod on the grapes to squeeze out all the juice. This isn't an everyday winepress. This is the winepress of God's wrath. And the winepress was trodden outside the city and the blood flowed from the winepress as high as the horse's bridle for about 1,600 stadia. That's about 200 miles. God is holy. He's very angry at sin. Very, very angry. Very, very angry at sin. He's unchanging. He is consistent. He is perfect. In his righteousness, he can't overlook human sinfulness. Otherwise, he wouldn't be righteous. He is all-knowing and all-seeing. He is love and he is compassionate. Therefore, he cannot see pain and destruction and do nothing about it. Because he is holy, he has to deal with it. So God is angry at evil and he's angry at our sin. But as we saw Earlier, Romans 3 verse 23 says that the free gift of God is 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Isn't that glorious? The next part of that verse that we looked at earlier. Isn't that beautiful? The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Praise God. In Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, it says, But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, full of evil, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. On the cross, Jesus took our sin. This is why the cross is absolutely astounding, because God is angry at sin. But he's so, so, so filled with love towards us that he sent his son, the eternal son of God, In the Godhead, God chose to save us in spite of our wretchedness. On the cross, he took your sin away from you. The Bible, the Psalms say, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed my sin from myself. Because he wanted to save you. Because he wanted to pull you out of your darkness and into his beautiful light. Such is the love of God that he had to deal with evil. Jesus died on a cross, and the full fury of God's anger was on Jesus. It says that he drank the cup of the wrath of God. He drank it all. God's wrath against sin, me and you, Jesus took it. So that if we put our trust in him, we can be saved and escape his fierce judgment. And we can be forgiven. Wonderful. We can be forgiven and have eternal life. Such is his love. This is the gospel. This is the good news. God loves us, but we are evil. Sinful to our core. His righteous judgment and justice is to condemn us to death because of his anger at his sinfulness but because of his immense love Jesus came and Jesus suffered and Jesus bore the wrath of God at our sins that we don't have to isn't that extraordinary isn't that beautiful news I'm going to pray Lord Jesus I thank you I thank you that you took my place Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning that you took our place. That you bore the wrath of God at our sin. Lord, we thank you that you are angry at sin. If you weren't angry, you wouldn't be perfect. If these things didn't move your heart, you wouldn't be fully loving. But you are fully loving. And you are perfect in your righteous anger. And Lord, we thank you that you made a way so that we do not have to Experience the wrath of God. Jesus, Jesus, we thank you that you on the cross bore all of our sin so that we can come to you clothed in your righteousness, Lord Jesus, where you took our sin and we got your righteousness so that the Father can say, Come. 
Lord, we thank you, Lord, so very much that we can now come forgiven and free with the love of God all over us because you dealt with our sin at the cross. Jesus, I thank you that we can now come to the Father because of what you've done and that his delight can be completely lavished towards us because that was his love towards us. Lord, I thank you you separated our sin as far as the east is from the west so that we could come into your presence and no fullness of life. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we love you.